What's going on? Welcome to Totally Blitz Podcast. We're recapping UFC Fight Night, Vegas 77, Holly Holm versus Bruno Silva. And as always, before we break down the card, go down, like, and subscribe, comment your thoughts on this card, which honestly, I talked a lot of shit on, and it definitely uh, lived up. I mean, it, did way, it was way better than what it was supposed to be, in my opinion. But as always, these are your hosts. I'm Paul. Pick a winner content I'm joined with. Man, you already know it's your boy, Kev. Waterboy Savoy, a.k.a. the Don P.Y.E., always known as the realest mother trucker on your screen. You feel me, man? And I'm not going to lie to you, homie. This card was not bad, and I was telling you to put respect on it for a minute, but, like, I was telling you to put respect on Holly Holm. I wouldn't tell you to put respect on the cards. I can't really can't really talk no shit for real. But I enjoyed this card. It was a good – it was a good – it was a good card from – um. From top to bottom. And I think that UFC 290 hangover is just real. Like, I was telling somebody, like, I was technically supposed to go meet this girl, meet this girl's parents this weekend. But I was like, nah, I got to watch the fights. And he goes, and then they was like, they was like, lawyer got on my ass. He was like, bro, why the fuck didn't you, why did you, bro, you chose the wrong card to, argue, to get an argument about. And I was like, nah, you could have put two squirrels in the octagon. And I still would have said no. <laughs> I will say this card was a card where us, me and my fellow boxing fans, every time, like throughout the year, when people were saying boxing cards stink, it is like y'all got a fucking main event with Holly Holm in July. Just live with that. But that wait, time out, time out, time out, time. Out. I I wasn't gonna bring that up, but this nigga Paul ain't shit. <laughs> like we just had the greatest card of all time last week. And in that conversation, this motherfucker really used that because they were arguing about they're actually arguing boxing versus um UFC, and then a lot of the because it's a boxing it's a boxing group chat made by UFC fans, motherfucking a lot of them niggas was all was like yo boxing UFC way better than boxing. Me personally, I was like boxing got too much history, but then I would see yo ass just killing their ass talking about some yeah, but y'all got Holly Holmes like I'm gonna be asleep, and I was like. This bitch, I was like, <laughs> being the trenches, bro. Even Marcus was messaging me, bro. He was like, Paul, you're a goat. I was like, what do I do? He's like, bro, everything that them niggas had to say, brother, you just kept coming back with the heat. <laughs> I was like, bro, I'm not even trying to defend anything. I'm just like, how are we in a boxing chat and boxing's getting shitted on? Like, I just don't understand that. <laughs> like, yeah, I respect it. I mean, I don't, boxing has way too much history to even compare it to UFC's only 30 years old. But I will say, this is the this is the one year that like boxing is going crazy crazy with the motherfucking fight. So I don't know if they're gonna keep on doing it, but at the moment it's pretty tight even. People trying to tell me that Poirier versus Gaethje is gonna be better than Buzz versus Spence, bro. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not gonna lie to you. That shit might be more like exciting, but um, but um, and like fight means and like the the weight just, of it. Yeah, but like just bleed. Like if you're looking for a just bleed them type of vibe. I definitely would give it to um Justin Gaethje and them, but um it's if you're talking, we're talking like epic, like this is, is like big proportions. This should have, have generational motherfucking like generational um like the outcome of this will literally affect an entire generation. So like you gotta respect this card, just respect that motherfucker. Yeah, but I mean. Speaking of respect, I didn't respect the card that we're about to break down. But afterwards, like I said earlier, I thought it definitely did way better than what we were uh, expecting. Even if Holly Holm didn't win. Even if Jack Della Mandela didn't look as fabulous as we would hype him up to be. But still. I 
I do gotta share one thing, but I know everybody is lit right now. <laughs> but this is my favorite scene. It's a, the caption for this was no more Hollywood holding effect. The yeah, no, but I wouldn't be shocked if 2024 they still try to fucking squeeze one in. But they better not. They fucking they better remember all these memes people were dropping. Before they think about putting Holly home on another movie at 42 years old. No cap, but we're going to see. But um, that I had to share that one. We're going to talk more deep in that. But Paul, man, Paul, man, where do you want to start first? I say the first fight of the entire card. Well, as first always, time. before we jump into the card, the new segment that's been rolling about two weeks strong now is we called that shit. And the only thing I really got for this one, I, I was looking, I was looking. The only thing I got is the Bruno Silva submission. I did say that that she be nasty. She can submit you on the feet. She can submit you on the ground. Holly Holm might try to wrestle a little bit, and then that's when you'll start seeing some submissions. But Bruno Silva, guillotine submission. Shout out guillotine season, Kev. She got yeah. it in the second round. It was a, it was technically a ninja choke, they called it. A ninja choke? Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, I know in the that, book we went down as guillotine on my ESPN, but that's even I, a ninja choke sounds even better. Yeah, mad. Kenny Florian was explaining it to John Ennett that it's like a ninja choke. It's just some, like, crazy shit. Like, it's some – it's just crazy. It's just a little bit unorthodox, and that's not something you really catch somebody standing up at, at least. So it's pretty fine. But and, I think something else you could add was that a JDM was – um. you said that JDM was going to be affected by this weight cut, and it really looked like it. I'm so mad because I took the bet. I mean, I hit two of the three bets I posted for everyone to follow. One of them was the silver submission or decision, cash that plus money plus 175. And then the Hafez versus JDM to go past one round, another plus odds. So it was like plus 110 when I took it. And I was so mad because the, for the fight to go to decision was a staring at me at like plus 450. And I was like, oh, wow. I was it's like, nah, JDM should, should JDM probably still get it done in the second or third. But then I kept thinking, I was like, Hafez is no joke. He'll be training with killers. He's a big guy. He hasn't, he's never been knocked out. I checked in his career. So then I was like, I don't know, maybe, but I didn't take the bet. Unfortunately, it would have been a big cash day. But yeah, no, JDM, that double weight cut definitely affected him. So I'm not going to hold this close fight that much to against him whenever we break it down. Yeah, that is a lot of weight to cut, you know, and then maintain that weight. That is, uh, that is back pretty to tough. Back weeks, that's kind of nutty. And then on top of that, like well, Hafez almost missed weight. Like they had to, um, he had to get an extra, he had to get an extra hour to lose 0.5. And it's like, oh shit! <laughs> if JDM can come on weight, bro, you gotta come on weight, even though it was days notice. Can't no fucking Charles Oliveira in this bitch. No, nah, but that's a whole different story. You don't get me into that because you know my daughter. <laughs> I'm not opening no can, bro. I ain't no, I ain't yeah, doing so, it. But the champ has one name. <laughs> it's not Makachev, but. Let's get into it. <laughs> what fight you said you want to start with? Bro, I got to start off with Perez because Romeo Mack would be so hot. I missed this fight. So I honestly didn't jump into this card until the Azat fight. So, like, let me know what I missed. I mean, it wasn't too crazy a fight. I mean, she won. I want to say she won by UG, but it could have been split. I mean, she just, she, just pretty much just ran, she just pretty much ran on ran the entire fight from on the feet and, and on the ground. Like, there mm-hmm. wasn't really shit you could do with it. But these motherfuckers in the group chat, motherfuckers. She he got said ready. Romeo Max. I already know it's gonna be something. Right, like these niggas, niggas was in this bitch talking about some motherfucking boo. She just knows. She, I can't give out too much because I'm not. You know, that's not. That's the rules of the group chat. Is what the rules is. But like, just know that they were talking about some like 
just know Perez has the booty meat. Was she was she was the top contender for the booty meat award. And then this is before her fucking post That's such a funny word to me, like booty meat. Like I would say. <laughs> when I hear when I see Romeo and Max say the word booty meat, I just can't help but like chuckle a little bit. But that should be kidding. One of my favorite soldier voice songs is called Booty Meat. And it's because the shit is called Booty Meat. <laughs> so motherfucking man, she was pretty thick. I ain't gonna lie to you. I seen her at the winds and I was like, oh, okay. But um, the thing that fucked me up was that at her own post-fight interview with DC and the motherfucking translator, she got this nigga pulled out a whole ass corn dog. But um, <laughs> she um she pulls out um, she starts twerking, and I was like, oh my god, these I know these niggas gonna go crazy. I'm talking niggas going crazy in the chat, crazy <laughs> motherfucking motherfucker. You got niggas posting like, good lord, and I was like, I'm kind of. I kind of see this. I'm black. You kind of see this every time they turn music on. But this is good. This is cool, too. The UFC needs more of this. But that was pretty much the biggest takeaway from that fight. Eric Perez, um, Erica Perez, or whatever her first name is, everybody's fucking with her. She's looking like she's about to get the Mackenzie Dern treatment soon. Oh, well, shit. We'll see. Alan Perez. We'll see. I mean, she's. Uh, is that her first fight in the UFC? I don't think so. Holy shit, bro. She... The total, she had 127 strikes landed versus the other girl's 13. Yeah, she killed it. It wasn't even what close. <laughs> she beat the shit out of her. It wasn't even close. There was two 30-25s in a three-round fight. <laughs> she beat the dog shit out of her. understand <laughs> why she was twerking afterwards? She still had energy left. That's she insane. wasn't even close. <laughs> oh man but the the next fight the fight i guess i'll break up first it's the kev brought up the, the first fight i'll break up the second um azat moxham split decision win over tyson nam tyson nam like i said 40 years old at the fucking flyweight division kind of nuts but he is definitely the bar of a ufc fighter at flyweight and if you can beat tyson nam or tyson nam i can't i'm not sure how you exactly say it then like you're you're probably going to be ranked top 15 eventually like he uh so Split decision win, but all metrics point towards Nam winning. He had double the uh, double strikes landed, almost double significant strikes landed. Um, Moxum shot eleven takedowns, only got two, and only for a control time of twenty seconds. So it's not like that was even effective. Uh, Nam kept getting right back up, but Nam ends up. Uh, I mean, but Moxum gets the split decision win in his UFC debut, moves to seventeen and zero. But I, what I saw most of it was like, okay, you are not a Tatsuo Taira. You are not these world beaters as of right now. Maybe you can learn from your camp and everything, learn from the fight. But he kept head down, blitzing, and you'll get cracked with like a check left hook, get cracked with an overhand right as he's trying to blitz in. And then he couldn't get takedowns secured. And when he did get the takedown, it's not like he even like, did anything with it. Uh, uh, Nam kept getting right back up. And Nam's not really, I mean, he has good takedown defense, but we've also seen him be put on the ground for long periods of time. So, like, I don't know. I was kind of, It was a very underwhelming UFC debut for me for this Kazakhstan warrior. Who, like, Kazakhstan, I mean, other than rocking him off right now, they're kind of look. They're kind of going out kind of bad. Bro, I hit the group chat. I'm never checking that shit during the podcast. Oh, again. never, never. I checked the rap zone. Shit, was, this is disrespectful. They're talking about Major right now. But shout out Brody winning his UFC debut. 
Um, he looking like he just wants to continue doing bigger, better things. He said in his um post fight interview that um the dude that um beat um Isma Gulov, the American wrestling ass motherfucker. Yep. He was like, I, I I could get out there with bro just because he beat one of my fellow countrymen. So bro, I was he like, would get slaughtered, bro. That's like a forty pound difference. I want to say that was a person that said that because they're both constant, right? Yeah, no, they are. He's the only constant fighter on this card, but like. Like I want to say Isma Gulov fights a lightweight, which is 155. And flyweight is like 115. Mm, maybe oh, maybe I got it. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe somebody else said that. But dude was definitely called out to do that beat Isma Gulov. It might have been. I wouldn't be shocked if it was Nazim Sadikov. He's not Kazakhstan, but he's in the lightweight. He just beat Terrence McKinney. I wouldn't be shocked if it was him. But I don't know. If it was Azat, I mean, the fucking balls on him. Yeah, that's just crazy. Them, they they weigh one fifteen by by themselves. If he's calling out, if he's calling him out. <laughs> uh, nah, but uh, where do you want to jump to next, Kev? Do you want to go uh, broken arm? Broken arm? No, no, no. We just say that. Um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We can talk. That's literally the next one on my thing. The broken arm, because you know a nigga take notes today. <laughs> Thirty four seconds. Not much exciting, except for Nunes. I don't know if it's dislocated or it was a broken arm. But in the books, it's a knockout for Judah. I think I'm mad that that's not a bigger thing, like the injury TKO. Like that's not a really thing because like like Tom Aspinall's last fight is an L to Curtis Blades, but like but he got injured. Like I can understand like a Brian Ortega situation last time he got hurt. Nah, see, nah, for that one, I was just about to say, bro. Everyone gives Tom Aspinall the the like, oh, he's not his. Fault. But every time they bring up Brian Ortega, it was like, yeah, he lost. I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> Like, I could give it to Brian Ortega or, like, a TJ Dillashaw. Like, I mean, I feel like with the person, what the person did to you is the reason why I got broken. So, like, I can understand. But he'd be, like, non-contact injury. It was like, it was like, it was like saying Odell got, like, that's like saying Odell in the Super Bowl. That was a non-contact ass injury. Nah, like, man, we can't. <laughs> if we're talking football, Duda Kova stiff on her ass into the dirt. And then she broke her arm. So, like, if anything, that's some contact. She said, yeah. <laughs> I respect, I respect Heisman. The Heisman but, stiff arm high ice that got out of there. Looked back, like, damn, did I do that? Maybe, maybe it's because her last name Nunez, and I fuck with it. And you know how I feel about Nunez. Like, I mean, like, the baby adopted baby Nunez. So, motherfucking, I don't know. But, like, I think they should start throwing out the word injury a little bit more in that motherfucker, like. Well, uh, injury TKO. TKO by Dr. Stoppage. Like, yeah, come on now. Yeah, no, because they had Dr. Stoppage TKO, but the, the doctor saying homegirl broke her arm in the ring, can't fight no more. It <laughs> don't count. Don't count. But, but me personally, I'd, post, I'd make you have to put a picture of my shit right there. Like, but I need you to see, like, my shit, my elbow looked like it was not, it did not connect to my shit no more. The, I would say this was one of the more tragic things because it happened in the apex. And I could hear the girls' screams. That was so, like, I wasn't even looking at the camera. I just hear, oh, my God. And all I hear, I'm like, what the fuck? And I turn, and she's just grabbing. I was like, did I just hear, like, someone, like, that's the sound of pain. Like, did I literally just hear the sound of, like, legit this pain from the TV? And it was. It was. I was like, damn. I was in the, I was in the kitchen, I heard that shit. I hope a swift recovery for Nunez. But also... I mean, due to a Kova seven and zero, I don't know what to expect out of her. I don't know if this is her debut or what, but breaking people's arms, I got you on my radar. 
Mm-hmm. No, that shit was great. But yeah, so we're praying for her right there. But um, before we got out of the prelims, I want to talk about um, Tucker Lopes and um, Tucker Loops and Bogdasarian. Mel Sig Bogdasarian. Oh, you've been taking the John Anik uh, uh, speech classes, I see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't, I couldn't break down this fight too well, but I remember watching this shit and thinking, like, I feel like Lutz is not a hoe. I feel like he's not a bitch. Bitch. That boy, Bogdasarian, if he's nice with it. He just got, I feel like he just got gassed the fuck out. I feel like in the third round, dude was uh, uh, looking extra lethargic. But the whole fight, he kept control. And I was like, I do kind of fuck with his fight style. And he's eight and two. I'm like, okay, let's see what, let's see what Bro can do in this, in this division. Yeah. And, and I was looking Wait. at the asses. I was looking at the boys, is like, the boys is buff as fuck, low key. Like, I'm thinking that they were low key lightweights, and then I looked, I checked, and I was like, "Oh, these motherfuckers are featherweights. It's crazy." <laughs> and uh, I see featherweight fighters like him. He's like, I think they said he was five nine or five ten on like whatever they did like the things. And I was just sitting there like, "Bro, I could never make featherweight." <laughs> no, <laughs> that's just crazy. Five nine, Lutz was five eight. Uh, and then escaping, skedaddling out of the prelims. We got Nazem Sadikov getting the submission win, rear naked choke over T-Rex, Terrence McKinney. This was one of the bets I took was Terrence McKinney money line. I thought it was a good, like, read of the room. People were out on McKinney. But, I mean, Nazem got this rear naked choke. But I will point out he was grabbing the fuck out that fence multiple times. Multiple times. So then when he got on Twitter and talked some shit, all the people in the comments was just like, like, because he said something, he talked some shit to T-Rex. And then a whole bunch of people, you know, Twitter is out on T Rex. They don't give a fuck about T Rex. Twitter does not fuck with T Rex. So they like, weren't they weren't defending T Rex. There is more just coming for Sadukov to have the the have the audacity to talk shit after like grabbing the fence multiple times. This is real ugly. I want to see more points taken in UFC for shit like um, this. Like you get one, hey, don't do that. Maybe a second one, like bitch, what did I tell you? But by that third one, it's. I want to see a point. I want to see the like fucking stand them up, take that point, do it. It's situations like these that make me realize that like the UFC is a business. They don't really give a fuck about what we want for real. Cause like I look at this shit and I feel like that this the cage grabbing thing was something that they like genuinely told the rest like yo, don't don't you can you if you see it stop it but don't stop the fight for that shit. Cause like. Even um a couple of weeks ago, Herb Dean was um had to like change languages, telling bro that I was grabbing a foot with his um the cage with his foot and shit. So like that's the name. I, I don't think they should take points. I think they should like re um re stop the stop um just fix the position. So like they're bringing up on the MMA hour. They was like, bro, if you got if you got taken down and you grab the cage to stop the takedown, then you should um re the position to start with you on bottom. But, like. If you're using a cage to stop a submission or something like that, or stop, they just fix the position and take it to the middle. That's what I would do, and I I agreed with that. Taking point, I think it's something because they say, but Ariel Hawani was on some shit like, bro. I think the first warning should be in the locker room. <laughs> I think before he left, they should tell your ass. They should be telling them do not grab the cage. Like whenever they're going over what rules or whatever, do not grab the cage. And then the second warning should be coming coming to octagon. And after that, then it should be um points taken. I think I agree with the whole put the position thing, maybe not take the point, but I also think it should be treated like a 
you know, like how in boxing, if you get knocked down, but it was an illegal punch, or if you just slipped, it it looked like you got knocked down. Like the ref says, like, like don't count it, basically, like with his arms, and it lets the judges know, like, okay, those last ten seconds erase it from your memory. Like that never happened. So similar to that, if someone's able to use the cage to get to your back, and then they have to, the ref should be able to like free stand them up and then basically tell them like, oh, we're not like don't count that as anything and, and for blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? I just think I, I, I'm on the, I'm on low key the UFC side of this. Cause I'm just thinking like, I feel like if this did start happening more, there would be a lot of controversial standup. There'd be like a lot of controversial last. You took me out of position. You did. There'd be like a lot of shit. And it was just like, it's just easier to be like the only up. reason why I say take a point is because I feel like I'm starting to see it not more often, but I see certain fighters that do it and they don't just do it like once, they typically do it multiple times. And I'm just like, at what point are we drawing the line yeah. in the sand of like we're gonna take a point for this? Leon Edwards versus Kamaru, yeah. And like, if you start doing it, and then also, you're not, and also, like. What if you're doing is multiple fights, but you're doing it only twice, so you're not getting points taken away. You know, like sometimes I feel like, like Draymond get, is quick to get a technical foul just because we know that's how he plays. So like, if we know you're grabbing fences and we see you grab a fence, maybe as a ref, as a t- like to start to take that point immediately, like so we know from here on this fight, like we're not I mean, doing- I think I think you can do that with nut shots. I think you can do something like that. With oh nut yeah, shot. I just think the grabbing the cage. I think the grabbing the cage is just like such a just like a reflex and like for in a lot of situations, so it's tough. And like the biggest thing about it is, I just look at it like, all right, it is what it is. Like it does feel. I feel like it would by trying to change it. It's still, I think it's when it gets excessive is when you should do something like motherfucking like if the if the fucking ref has to take your hand off the fucking cage and do it again. Like all right. Now, now let's let's warn, but let's let's do a little bit more than a warning, homie. Like let's figure something out. All right, and but uh, so outside of that, my other question for this fight is Terrence McKinney. Where are we going? Yeah, he was looking good. Like I felt pretty confident after that first round. So I was like, okay. So, but where do we go with this with him? Like last four fights, he's one in three with the one win over Eric Gonzalez with losses to to Ismail Bonfim. Who just lost? Nazimov, who has who hasn't lost yet in the UFC, I don't believe. And then Drew Dogger, but in the, and that that fight was like a a five minute like firefight where like Drew Dogger got knocked down, got back up, and then knocked down Terrence McKinney, and then like so they were just banging it out. It was kind of one of the best fights of last year. And so that was a, his knockout loss to him, and but he does still have wins over Matt Frivola. and. Yeah, he knocked out Steamroller in his debut. Oh, that was before the Ray Longo days. 2021. And then he got a submission win in like two minutes over uh, Ferez Saim, who's a French fighter. It might be like Zaim. I don't know. He's a French fighter. And um, he actually fights at UFC London next week. But, I mean, losses to Sadukov, Bonfum, and Drew Dauber are not bad losses. They're just all kind of young in their career. Like, who knows how that they all pan out, too. So, like, maybe you give T-Rex the benefit of the doubt, or is it like, hey, maybe he's not really a top 15 contender that we thought he could potentially be? I think he just needs to go get a dub, because I didn't know about T-Rex until he got um, until he got um, KO'd by Bonfum. 
And even though I think I did see that Judoba fight, but um, I wasn't, I didn't really know too much about T-Rex beforehand. And um, I mean, I just think he just needs to go out there and just get a win, just get a win, no matter what. It doesn't, doesn't matter what anybody's saying about you. Get the fuck off of Twitter. Do whatever you got to do. But just get, get a win. Go get a win, and then let's figure out what your next, what your directions are. Because, like, you could have just fought, like, a bunch of hitters in a row. Because we even said this in the preview. It was like, damn, I wouldn't be surprised if he lost this one. This dude's low-key a hitter. And that sucks because, like, he got caught last. He got caught bad in the last one. Then he lost this one. And, like, you're winning. And you really showed promise in this fight. But once you – um. Once bro got, once bro just got the upper hand, he immediately got that choke and it was a wrap. And he had his arm behind his back. That was just disrespectful. So like there was like, I don't know how big a deal that is, but I feel like it was way less defense with your arm behind your back. <laughs> no, that's true. All right, well then we gotta move the story along. We got three, three fights in a row here that are all ass whoopings. Start with the women. She's a runner. She's a track star. She's a runner. She's a track star. That was a. Great tweet, Kevin. Shout out, Kev. That was a funny ass tweet on Totally Blitz uh, Twitter. But Norma Dumont is being the breaks off Chelsea Chandler. They had they talked all they shit before the fight, and then going into the fight, I actually picked Chandler, and I had Chandler like as on my uh, on my big dog parlay bet. Didn't cash. <laughs> yeah, it didn't cash. But Norma Dumont was fucking like she literally had her running. Like I, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Where we're like someone literally running the other way from somebody, bro. We fucking died on the live stream when that shit happened. Like Twitter was a fucking frenzy, but this fight was good. I mean, Norma Dumont just showed that she was um, she's she's her and a half. But before we get too deep in the fight, I want to talk about the weigh-in drama beforehand, though, because like you see, I don't know what made them why they didn't like each other or what made Chandler feel like she had to like kind of like try to own um Dermont, but she felt like she needed to. And motherfucking she threw the um she just flicked her off and then Dermont sent two back at her and I was just like, oh and then like in the way and they're just talking that shit. They're looking at each other ready to go type of shit. And it's just Kept like talking. I was like, oh, this is gonna be interesting. Definitely made the fight interesting going into this fight. I mean, I knew who Norma Dumont was. I knew Chelsea Chandler was the rising star possible. She only has one win and one fight in the UFC. But, like, everyone was giving a lot of promise to her. But Norma Dumont has kind of been the standard at the division. And only losses is, like, split decision to Macy Chasey on, who's a really good fighter herself. So, like, uh, but, shit, Norma Dumont showed that, like, hey, you can't bring somebody new and try to beat me. I'm just going to beat the brakes off of them. But I don't know. Norman Dumont, I don't think ever has been in like an argument before in the UFC. So maybe I think it probably is the new girl. Maybe this is Chelsea Chandler stick. No, this is crazy. But this is also in the 145 division. I forgot that there were people in that besides Amanda Nunez. So like they were just talking about like what does this open up for? Because because there's there's a terrible rumor that Ronda Rousey is supposed to attempt to make a return. I don't think that's smart. Even if like she, even if, I don't know how true that is. I don't know who brought it it's out there. Fights going crazy, but I think that'd be a terrible idea for her, me personally. But um, now you got somebody like Dermot. Is there a reason to have this motherfucking division still? If people are gonna be fighting at it, go ahead. Because Dumont wasn't. I don't think she fought a featherweight in her last fight. Um, against Rosa. Let me see. I can double check that right now. 
Because I want if if not, it's just like uh, no, they part featherweight also. I don't know. Apparently, uh, if right now it's looking like to me, it might be Macy Chase versus Norma Dumont for the featherweight title again. Like if if because Nunez is gone, and maybe Ronda Rousey can get fast tracked into the winner of that if she does come back, and it might be able to, it might help the UFC make some money. Yeah, that's real. But the thing about it is. If you do that, who the fuck is going to defend the belt? Because you got because it's different for Nunez because she was a double champ, so she can motherfucking she can still defend the belt at one thirty five, no problem. And if there was a one forty five, she could do that. But I think some people may be coming up the woodwork if now if like Nunez, the big scary monster at the top that no one could beat, is gone. You might have some people at one thirty five that don't want to keep making that weight, and they might think, hey, I can go dominate one forty five, and he might, you know. No cap, and I think it's at one forty five. Maybe like fuck it, like oh we, I'm fine for the belt now. I actually got a shot to win it. And I think it would be interesting to have a like a dominant, like a field, not even dominant, just a field division of one forty five. Because like, I don't think it's hard to make one thirty five as um for like women's MMA fighters, just because like the natural build of a women's MMA fighter is like usually something a little less than um well something manageable to make one thirty five. Bring, or anything bring your cyborg old ass over here. That's what I'm saying because she works. She's a bare knuckle right now doing her thing. But um, Ronda Rousey versus Chris Cyborg for the vacant featherweight title, scribbling division. That would sell. Oh, Who was it? Um, I was actually watching a video. There's um, she's an action star. Her name's like Karina or Karina or something like that. They was talking about maybe her and Ronda Rousey um selling it out because it's like. Cause she um she but she's from the WEC and like she technically has a contract with the UFC because she had four contract four fights left on her um WEC EC contract before um Zufa um took it over. So if there was a Ronda Rousey fight. It would probably be like her versus her type shit. I gotta get a name, but it was like this former um women's fighter that was that was um that went to acting, but it was also before like the blow up of women's MMA. Well. I'm here for the super fight, but I'm Hell also yeah. here for Norma Dumont. But what uh, what other aspects went down? I'm talking about dog Iron Turtle. Iron Turtle getting the submission, and like really was doing it on the feet as well against uh was it Albert Durov? Yeah, Albert Durov knocked him down, got on top, rear naked choke, all she wrote. And hit the dance moves on him, got the busting yeah. busting moves on his ass. I didn't know he looked at uh, Iron Turtle. I think I'm pretty sure he's he's a pretty quiet guy. So like when he started busting the dance moves, I personally was not expecting that. He gives quiet old agents, and he gives quiet old sage vibes. But like when that dance, he he was giving uncle at the barbecue. I was like, okay, my dog, I fuck with you. And then we followed up that one with Francisco Brado knocking out Ottoman Azatar. This one was a uh, first round knockout. But it was like his punches landed. Like when he landed, they landed, felt them. And then I think after the couple of those landed, and he was looked more crisp on the feet too. Like uh, I felt like Azadashar, he just kind of couldn't do nothing after that. Like he kind of was more timid, and then Prado just kept uh, land. And then eventually landed the uh, the punch to wobble him, and then KO'd him. Yeah, what got me, the shit that wobbled him was the elbow. And, like, 
I swear this was the slowest spinning elbow I've ever seen, but it just just landed so point. Like, it just landed in a perfect spot. And after that, he just got the wailing on his ass. This was a good – this was a good stopping. And it was a good setup for the rest of the card. And then we had the Jack Della Medina JDM split decision win over Basil Hafez. Where the energy at, man? Hey, we talking a co-main event. Paul's big homie, JDM, Mister Mister. I make it. I can make weight twice. Man, I was telling everyone he's making weight twice, back to back weeks. Man, that's gonna affect him. I cashed it going past the first round. I should have put more money on it and put it up to finish to go to decision. But did you think he won? I thought he won. But a whole bunch of Twitter was an uproar about Hafez in his control time and. I was like, I don't know. JDM was looking like he's doing more damage every round. So on the live stream, I thought I was the only one. And we all thought that JDM was getting um, fucked up. But I was the only one that didn't think he lost. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Paul, the shit that just went down. Because he definitely, he definitely had a control time in every round. But like he wasn't doing a lot of damage. Yeah, so like. We all were watching the fight on the live stream, and we're thinking, oh, JDM's getting fucked up. What I realized early was that I was the only one that didn't think JDM was losing. I think um, you could give Hafez the first round, and Hafez fucking fought great the entire card. And I think he was um, getting all the best of the touches with him. His wrestling was fucking great, but I don't think he was doing anything while wrestling. So, like, I don't know. This is one of those things where, like, a lot of us don't just know what the fuck the judges are looking at. Because if this was Islam, they probably – it would be a different story. But Islam would be, like, significantly holding them down. Though. So, like, I don't even want to say no crazy shit like that. But I think JDM won the fight straight up. I think he got tested. And then I found out why everybody was tripping, too. Because, like, JDM has won, like, 15 fights in a row. And motherfucking – his, like, his two losses were, like, early in his fucking career type shit. And then all of them have been damn near first round, um, first round KOs. So really, we just want to see like what the fuck would have looked like if Sean Brady have, was able to fight him. Oh, geez, I heard. I keep hearing that Sean Brady fight, but I don't know. But Sean Brady got dusted on the feet by Belial Muhammad, and but they, that's Belial though. Yeah, but Belial, if we were talking about striking on the feet, JDM I think was definitely higher than what um, Belial is on the feet. Hmm. JDM can also submit too, but I just don't know about his wrestling. Especially in this yeah, definitely sus. If Sean Brady wrestle fucks him, then it could be difficult. Yeah, I don't know if his wrestling is all the way there like that. But I feel like this is a division that don't have too many crazy wrestlers. Like you gotta deal with the Kobe Covingtons and um Brian Barberinas and um who? Belial. Belial, yeah. But like yeah, Belial Muhammad mm-hmm. definitely. But like I don't know if there's crazy wrestlers in this motherfucker. Oh, uh, was this? Oh, it's only welterweight. Let's say if it's middleweight, got the Olympic, but not. Um, next fight, the main event. Holly Holm gets submitted in the second round to Myra Bruno Silva. I, I had a feeling it was gonna be submission, but I didn't. The bet was like plus two fifty to take submission, and I was just like, this could go decision. And if it goes decision, I think she could still squeak it out. But Let me I'm say not- one more thing about Hafez is that oh, I found not- out the next day, nigga has a lawn care service. So I'm just sitting there thinking, like, Loki, he might have been a genius. He, get, he if if it on a, from a business point of view, this man, like, this man took the fight last second, took all the money that um Dana would have um paid him, 
and just invested that back into the business. I'm just like, what? I'm just saying. And, and on top of that, White usually pays the people that fill in for fights. So a pretty good takes care of them. So I'm pretty sure he got a nice little paycheck. Yeah, no, nah, Dana fuck with him for that. You know Dana likes niggas that do favors. Yeah. But that he made the saying. fight look very competitive too. So Yeah, yeah. Like everybody thinks he won. Yeah, so like Dana White is somebody who I think was gonna give us fifty K, hundred K, whatever. Everybody except the experts. Nobody nobody that is on a podcast talking about it says that JDM. Maybe maybe um Knuckles on the bourbon and blitz, bourbon and butt. But um I don't nobody's really said um any JDM want JDM lost on the podcast and stuff. Only like the the diehard fans and casuals have been screaming JDM lost. Well, I want to see because he's very he's he, he always has quick turnarounds. So I want to see him fight again. You know, you can always write a write a close fight with like a dominating fight right after. He's talking. They're talking September because they're going to Sydney. I like Volk on the card, or and Whitaker probably isn't going to be either. Uh, but back to the main event. I mean, Silva getting the submission win, Ninja Choke, as was just explained to me earlier, on Holly Holm. And that's one one thing I, I think I like about Silva the most is like she's not the one shooting the takedowns when she gets submission with. Which you don't really often hear. So like she's getting these submission wins on pretty high level fighters. I mean she submitted Gillian Robertson, who be submitting the fuck out of a lot of people. <laughs> so like I like her just because she's in our submission. I don't know, I really enjoy like a submission artist. Like somebody who can just really like Charles Oliveira on his run, you just kind of like, yeah. You, yeah. Like as soon as you get locked in, it's like, oh, this fight's over. The Gee teams in, or he's mm-hmm. triangles in. A Paul Craig, who when he's not butt scooting, I like submission artists that aren't butt scooting. So no Cron Gracie. Paul Craig is right now on my shit list. Sometimes you gotta scoot that thing, but I fuck with Bueno Silva. I mean, everybody was lit that motherfucking. There's uh, no more Holly Holm main events. And it's funny because, like, I'm sitting on the fence when it comes to that, even though I did tweet that shit out. But before we get into that, Bueno Silva just – she showed nice. She showed promise on, on her feet, and she got the submission. And she's showing that, like, you know, I'm a problem in this fucking division. And at first, I thought she was really full of herself in the beginning just because of um how she was telling them, like, nobody wants to see her Kyle Pennington versus Juliana Pena. And I'm like, yo, Juliana Pena did kind of, like, submit Amanda Nunez, even though she – so, like, you kind of got to give her a respect. Like, we might not like her, but we do got to respect her because, like, not too many people can say they beat Amanda Nunez, no matter what the circumstances were. So, I thought she was, like, feeling herself too much and Holly Holm was going to take this to a, um, a five-round decision and he was just going to strike with her. No, no, nope. That wasn't a thing. Motherfucking. I know Holly Holmes is getting a little older and everything like that. But, like, she just showed the same motherfucking promise in, in each of her own fights. Like, she got the um, oh, she got the differential. Holly Holm won with the total She strike. looked good the first round. I got a little worried in the first round. Yeah, she looked good. She got the total strikes. But once Bueno Silva got his hands on her, it was her up. 41 years old. Uh, do you think Holly Holm should think about retiring, maybe take finish out her contract? I'm not sure what it is. And then have time to run off into the sunset. I finished off the contract, but I respect Holly Holmes, even though I'm lit that there's no more Holly Holmes main events. I'm going to keep screaming that. But, like, they're probably going to do one or two more. I'll fight out my contract because she still has it. 
Um, she's literally, she literally was like really just, and she has the same, um, she has the same same strategy for every fight. So like, she, and it's, if it's not broke, don't I guess don't fix it type shit. You know, she just lost. But um, if she could, I would try to um, fight out my contract, depending on how many people fights there are. Maybe there's one or two more fights left for her. But like, just figure out a smooth way to end gracefully. That'd be smooth, just like how um Robbie we just saw Robbie Lolly do it. But this is my thing about her legacy. It's she's eight and seven. She's she's a boxing hall of famer. She did what she did in women's boxing. And then I didn't think about it, but women's boxing wasn't what it was now that it was when Holly Holm left type shit. So like it would make sense to make the switch to the UFC. So she's eight and seven, and she's only lost to seven hitters, and there's a good chance Bueno Silva is gonna be another one of those fucking hitters. But like, if you saw her walking to the fucking um, walking to the motherfucking ring, it was looking like I can't tell if she's dehydrated, if she's really focused, or if she just doesn't want to be there. But like, I wouldn't say that she's like Derek Lewis in this motherfucker. But like, the look on her face was just crazy. It's hard to keep wanting to get back into the octagon, like. Just over and over. Like, even Cowboy, when he was doing it, he wasn't doing no, like, full fight camps. He was, like, fill-in fighter status. Like, fuck it. I'm fit right now. I'll take the fight. That shit's real. I mean, it is what it is. But, like, it's like I'm sitting on a fence when they talk about Holly Holmes being, like, one of the greatest um combat women's um, combat um fighters ever. And, like, I mean, you have to. Because, like, you literally won a championship in boxing. She also won a championship in the UFC, and you beat probably the most popular women's fighter ever. So it was like, you got to respect it. But at the same time, I'm just like, to each his own. Like, I think if I think if I think of one person that was really, really, really nice at boxing, and one person that was really, really nice at UFC can like jump jump her when it comes to the combat sports thing. Yeah, I'm trying to see her boxing thing. I don't. I know she was checking it. Uh, she, she was a welterweight, so she was big in boxing. Thirty three and two. And the one, one of her losses, she got knocked out. She's twenty five and zero fighter who went on to be champion. And then she righted that wrong with the rematch and beat them unanimous decision. Uh, nice. Yeah. So like, and then she boxed up to twenty thirteen. She started in two thousand two. So yeah, damn, that's a lot of fights. That's a lot yeah, of fights. That's a decade. I didn't know she was. I knew she boxed for a while, became multi champion. I'm not sure she went undisputed, but I think she was unified. She's nice with it. Respect to her. So, like, but I think if there's like somebody that just does nothing but leaps and bounds in motherfucking boxing or somebody that just does shit we've never seen before in UFC can pass that greatest combat style, even though she won championships in both. No, facts. Definitely, but, I don't know enough about Holly Holmes' back history in boxing to really even like defend that. So, like, definitely could be true. We see like a John Jones type of fighter on where he just is undoubtedly the goat. I think we need to see a Manny Pacquiao type of um, woman, women's fighter. She starts really small and then she just goes up, fucking everybody up type shit. I'd be like, yeah, there's no, there's no denying her. Yeah. But, yeah. but. What's up with Bueno Silva, man? Because she was ranked 10th before this fucking fight. She just beat third round Holly Holm, who was knocking out, who was, who was UDN, um, UDN, um, contenders like crazy. How the fuck do you see this going for Bueno Silva? Because 
they gotta they gotta they gotta get a champion ASAP. UFC can't have two vacated belts at the same time. It looks crazy right now. So they got who? How do you, where, where do you see her in the title contention? I I mean at this point it's probably gonna be Pena Pennington, but Silva's definitely caught the eye of Dana White. I think with this win, where if the paperwork don't add up for that fight, I think we might see a Silva Pena. I think Pena is automatically gonna be in the title fight unless uh, barring an in, injury. I think Kristen Wiig won't ever shut the fuck up. She's gonna be the one that gets this title fight, and she did beat the former champ and was gonna fight her. Probably everyone thought afterwards. And but, Dan is a big Pena fan. Yeah, so I think it's either she might be like pulled like a Brandon Roy Ball or Kobe Covington and just be like the backup fighter for the Pennington Pena fight, or like I said, the paperwork don't add up for Dana. I might be seeing Pena Silva. Maybe even the Ketlin Vieira versus Silva fight in the meantime to see who wins out of them two because Ketlin Vieira is, I think, fighting next week at UFC London. And mm. then, so they're both on the same track of like, oh, we both got to stay busy if we're not fighting for the belt. To see number three and number four go at it, and whoever wins that probably fights the winner of Pennington Pena. Yeah, I was thinking that. I was thinking like if she made weight for the um, as a backup fighter. Because I don't think she needs a um another fight to be considered like the next person next. But if she took a fight in the meantime, that would only and won that, that would only just boost the stock to like and then get her ready for whoever wins out of um Pena Pennington. But I really see her going to the um championship. Like she's probably one of my like I actually became a fan this weekend. I'm rocking with her heavy now. Like she's and then her interview was awesome. Like she was talking about like because you know. Juliana Pena was fucking talking shit as usual, and she told she me the um the interviewer told her she didn't know that um Juliana says that she can beat um she can beat you and um Pennington at the same time, and this killed me. This literally killed me because they she wasn't speaking English, so they had to go to the translator, and the translator gave a translator um talked to her, told it to her, and she died laughing. She immediately like you just waiting like what what do you say? immediately died laughing like no julian i'll see you calm down and respect respect to you you've done great things in the sport but i'm gonna see you i'm gonna see you type shit and i liked how she was giving respect to holly holmes because she was like yeah man i remember watching holly holmes before i even trained before i even trained in mma yeah and that's that's why you gotta put respect to holly holmes she she's definitely a hall of famer ufc like she's won a belt she's Fought nothing but hitters. She will retire. She's forty-one years old and was just ranked like number three in the uh, in the uh, weight class. Uh, uh, I just shit. And three of the um, and three. The thing about Holly Holmes is that three of her last four fights have been main events. None, none of them title fights. And I think that's the only reason why she gets any type of hate because it feels like the UFC is kind of trying to force her down her throats. Put her at UFC 300. Put the other guy, I can't remember his name, at UFC, Jim Miller, UFC 300. Put, like, some of the OGs in the prelim and have them all retire. Robbie Lawler. Yeah, Robbie Lawler got one more in him, I think. Yeah, he, he know he did. That's the worst part. But that's the card, man. This was a pretty – this card was quite exciting on the low. Definitely was way better than what I, I was giving it credit for. So, I will say – it definitely uh, it grew on me. It was a good ass card. I'll give it that. Uh, my boy Paul said it, mate. 
But that's everything we got for y'all boys, man. If you didn't know, I don't mind telling you again that my name is Kev Waterbuster, boy. I'm in this bitch with Paul Pick on Winter Concert of Drunk Gambling, you feel me? And this is the Totally Blitz Podcast. And if you didn't know, you, I don't mind telling you and the dude right next to you that you's a bitch.